Over the past few months, we've talked a lot about Bill 23, and that's the Ontario provincial government's new initiative called More Homes Built Faster Act. It's an aggressive plan to build 15 million new homes over the next 10 years, and it works out to about 150,000 new homes a year. Now, a section of Bill 23 gives municipalities like the City of Toronto more power to build houses a lot quicker, too. And a part of that legislation includes converting single-family homes into multi-unit dwellings. Some people may not like this, but it really is a great solution to our housing problems. So, have you ever thought of doing this to your home, or of buying a house with a few units, renting out some of them, and living in one of them? I'm Desmond Brown. On today's episode of Soul in the Six, my guest is going to tell us how this can be done, and he may even have some architectural designs to help you do this. Michael Piper is a professor of urban design and architecture at the University of Toronto, and he also runs the rehousing project at the U of T that gives free designs to people who want to turn their single-family units into multi-unit dwellings. Michael, welcome to Soul in the Six. Thanks, Desmond. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, so great to have you. So, first of all, what do you think of this section of Bill 23 that allows for more multi-unit dwellings? It's really exciting. I mean, of, <laughs> of course, I'm working on trying to encourage more multi-unit buildings and, and single-family neighborhoods. So, changes in legislation that promote that, I think, are exciting for me. Um, and I think it's also helpful to to note, too, that, you know, in a way, we've, we've been able to do this since uh, the year 2000, when basement suites were first legalized. So we've been kind of mm-hmm. building up over time. There were laneways, garden suites, and now, you know, multiplexes are kind of on the on the radar. So yeah, they really ramped it up. And um, I mean, the, the word housing crisis has been, you know, bandied about quite a bit yeah. in, in our city and actually the province. And uh, we, we're actually seeing a lot of evidence of that too, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So um, tell me again, so why free designs? Like you're offering free designs for people <laughs> to, 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 get, uh, to get these projects going in their homes. Yeah. So this is, this is something that's uh, it's important to note. Um, the designs are free, but they, you, you can't just kind of use them. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, we made them as kind of templates or references for people who have similar houses. Yeah. So when you go to our website, we picked, you know, the 14 most typical homes in Toronto. Um, and uh, we then did, you know, a set of designs for each of these really typical homes, say it's a, a bungalow in Scarborough mm-hmm. or a semi-detached and, you know, and, uh, and Leslieville, something like this. And so we took these typical homes, we did designs for them, but if you want to do them, um, again, you'd have to find someone to help you uh, develop a set of plans custom, you know, specific to your home. And we give them to free precisely because we do want to promote uh, this kind of uptake. It's not easy to do this kind of work. So anything that we can do to help, I think, is is what we're interested in. Yeah, you talked about 14 typical designs of houses through the city of Toronto. I, I get you. Um, are you, you know, I've been selling houses here in Toronto for a long time and, you know, we go through three bedroom semis, the layouts are pretty well the same, yeah. you know, we go through those typical lease side, uh, boxes, they're pretty well the same, you know, and it's not a derogatory term when I'm talking about boxes, but they're, you know, they're, they're, they're brick structures and you walk in and it's the same little hallway, uh, you know, off to the right or the left is going to be the living room. 
Uh, and then there's a dining room attached, kitchen, and then the three bedrooms upstairs. So the designs are pretty, yeah, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty much the same all the way around <laughs> the city, aren't they? That's right. Uh, um, what I found, which is really uh, cool about this, is that with people who are trying to get into the housing market, um, it really does open a door for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for instance, like, say, you know, there's a young couple that can't quite afford to get in. They could approach another young couple and say, look, why don't we buy something? Um, it's a single family home. Let's pick it up and let's move towards dividing this into two. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, um, so we, you know, we're, we're designers, we're architects. So we, we mostly focus our efforts on the physical design. Mm-hmm. Um, however, in parallel to that, um, we thought a lot about, you know, who would actually do this? Um, who's going to make a multiplex? Mm-hmm. Uh, we found, you know, if you, there's some reports out there that the Urban Land Institute has made their kind of, um, you know, organization uh, that looks at development and planning policy. And and they've noted that these kinds of projects, they don't really pencil out for developers, for small developers. That's to say developers don't make a profit at this mm-hmm. very small scale or it's difficult to. Um, and then we thought, you know, okay, so they're not probably going to do it so much. Maybe there'll be a few that are good at it. Um, so people that would really do it, we thought, are those that are kind of in economic distress who don't need to make a profit, who are just trying to, mm-hmm. you know, either get into the market, as you're suggesting, or to earn a little extra income from their house because they they need to. So they're going to maybe make an extra unit if they own a home to help pay their mortgage down. Um, but the thing that we're most excited about is what you just described, the prospect of mm-hmm. people who can't get into the market being able to split the mortgage and uh, subdivide the house to make two units. Yeah, you know, I, when I look back at my family's history, so my family came uh, to, to Canada, to Toronto back in the late 1940s. Um, a lot of them gathered around the, uh, well, a lot of Jamaicans gathered around and the black community gathered around the Bathurst and Bloor area. Mm-hmm. I don't know how my family ended up in the East End. I, I still have to get that <laughs> <laughs> explained to me. They ended up in the East End in yeah. the Greenwood, Girard, and the Coswell, Girard area. But um, we always had a second unit in the house. And it wasn't not always just for you know, uh, to rent out, but for our extended family to live in. And That's right. a lot of, you know, the neighborhoods I grew up in um, around Coxwell, Girard, there were a lot of Italians, a lot of Greeks, a lot of immigrants, mm-hmm. and they did the same thing. You know, they come, they get the, the property. There was always, there was usually a kitchen on the second floor and that's how they got yeah. into the market. It's, I mean, it, it's, this is the thing is like, it's nothing new we're talking about as you're suggesting mm-hmm. in Toronto, there's a long history of doing this. And frankly, in a lot of cities around the world, um, you know, outside of, uh, Northern America and, and, and well, not excluding Europe too, but you know, mm-hmm. countries in the global South practices like this are completely normal, yeah. you know, like actually it's, it's abnormal for someone to live alone, like <laughs> multi-generational families, for example, are, are the norm in some countries, you know, and we're actually quite inspired, um, by how, uh, people from different cultures make their way to, to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And then they reappropriate these homes that, that were initially thought just to be for one family. And, you know, they bring their, other members of their family over, or they do rent out the basement um, to help make it more feasible for them. And I, I think that's, for me, that's maybe where we draw our greatest inspiration is recognizing that um, within the kind of mix of culture that we have in Toronto, there's all kinds of ways um, that people are using uh, houses. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back to your interview with uh, CBC's Metro Morning, and you had mentioned um, how you got into the market. Can you get a little bit, can you get into that for us? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I thought I should be, be able to buy a home. I make a decent living. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, my wife, she also makes a decent living. I've been saving for a long time. And, you know, every time I felt like I was just going to get over the threshold for the mortgage, housing prices just bumped up. And mm-hmm. every year I felt like I was, I was chasing something endlessly. Yeah. Um, and it just became obvious at some point, like, this is going to be the cycle we're going to earn. We're going to keep on savings, but no, keep on saving money. But no matter how much we save, we're always going to be just below what's needed for a down payment. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, uh, my in-laws were looking to move from Arizona to Canada. So my wife's parents, um, and we were just kind of chatting. And, and so, and so I said, Hey, you know, why don't we, um, why don't we buy a home we'll, and, and make sure and we'll figure out, we'll find one that has a ground floor that's accessible and y'all can move up and, and move in. And so we did that. They helped us with our mortgage. We couldn't have bought the house without their help. Um, I, because I'm a designer, I went in, I, I bought a bunch of tools, uh, you know, made a workshop out of the garage and I converted the ground floor into a unit. And then my, my two, my, my family, my immediate family, my stepsons and my stepchildren and my wife live upstairs and, and my, um, my in-laws live downstairs. So that's how that kind of worked out. And you got into a market. You got into this crazy Toronto market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, but again, you know, so I, I think we're very fortunate to have kind of generational wealth on our mm-hmm. side. We, you know, um, uh, so it was, it, it wasn't, let's say it wasn't just a kind of a gift. We definitely, you know, have uh, put a lot of work in uh, bringing them um, here with us. But um, yeah, it was mm-hmm. definitely very fortunate. Yeah, and I think a lot of us have gotten help over the years from our parents. I mean, there was yeah. a study um, just a couple of years ago by Royal LePage, I think, and uh, or the Bank of Montreal, and I think it was like something to the effect of $8 billion given uh, by parents to their children to get into the housing market across the country. That's a mm-hmm. phenomenal number. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I think, you know, they're... they're um their organizations, um, nonprofits, uh, and, you know, folks in real estate and, and mortgage brokers who specialize in, in this idea of co-ownership, you know, so mm-hmm. co-purchasing, uh, you know, and, and not co-living, but, in, but, you know, sharing the same property together with two, two separate, two or three separate units on it. Um, precisely because there are folks that, that don't have that kind of gift from their, their, um, their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I want to talk about that too because um, I know that you have you're, you're, you're developing partnerships with lending institutions, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with 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 construction people, and so on. Can you talk talk a little bit about that for us and and some of the process that somebody would have to go through if they wanted to go down this road? Yeah, this is so actually since the the interview, I guess that you know that you heard with CBC Metro Morning, we have been developing a kind of second phase of the project that is specifically about this, hmm. which is how can we take these plans that are informational really that we've made? So these, you know, 50 or so plans for the 14 homes, they're great, but you can't take them, you can't use them. And so what we've done with those plans is um, we try to, well, big picture is, we're trying to get knowledge about how much it costs to make one of these renovations mm-hmm. to prospective home buyers when they're searching for a home. So, for example, let's say you're on a real estate website and you click on a bungalow. It costs you know nine hundred thousand dollars today. Yes, but it's it's still one house, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to make two units out of that, you're going to have to spend a certain amount of money. 
And unless you know how much money that's going to cost you, it's hard to assess different homes for this possibility. So what we're trying to do is we're developing a tool now where we can kind of automatically take data from a real estate website and generate a kind of really rough cost uh, estimate and really rough, but just to give people a sense about what it would take. Um, yeah, and there's more to it, but I'm, <laughs> but I'll maybe stop there for a, a breather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, there definitely is more too. I mean, seeing the cost is one thing, but getting access to those funds is the next step, obviously. That's right. I mean, and that's so basically that's the kind of next. That's what there's kind of two goals for this tool that we're working on. One is to help people mm -hmm. when they're searching, just to know what what it's going to cost, and the other is um, we learn working with financial institutions or working with just having conversations with uh, some banks and other financial institutions, mm -hmm. and people in the mortgage industry. We've learned that one of the challenges for this kind of project is actually getting uh, financing for it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when you go to the bank and you're buying a home, you can get a mortgage, you know, to buy a house, but banks are very hesitant to give you a loan to do a renovation project at the same time. You can't bundle it with your mortgage, for example. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So you can, you have to go get private funding from another source, which is very expensive. And so what we've learned from the banks is that we're, we're looking at the possibility of taking this early estimate, Mm -hmm. And 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 bringing it to the well, a prospective home buyer could then bring that early estimate uh, that maybe is vetted by contractors, for example, bring it to the bank and say, hey, let's fold this into the the mortgage loan, and therefore you're not taking out two separate loans, uh -huh. one of them being private to do the renovation. So uh -huh. that's it's a little bit difficult to kind of get your head around, but after a lot of research, we found this was a barrier that we could maybe address. You may have noticed that Sold in the Six is now a weekly podcast, and that means that there is an opportunity for someone to advertise in this space. I have a wide variety of people listening to this podcast, including a lot of realtors. So, if you're a home designer, contractor, a stager, home inspector, please get in touch with me. You can email me at des at desmondbrown.ca or give me a call, 416-568-1242. This is a great opportunity. I know you've been addressing it. What type of, um, what kind of feedback have you gotten from those lending institutions? Um, so we, you know, it, it all depends on who you speak to. Some people are very excited and want to be experimental. Most banks, of course, are very conservative. Um, but we, you know, we spoke to one of the larger ones and and they, they were kind of, um, and we were we were speaking with someone that was uh, working in, and let's say, um, new business ideas part of the company. Mm -hmm, yeah. So we got kind of connected with them, and they were they were excited because because for for banks it means you know there's a, there's a broader market maybe that they have uh, they can connect with uh, through this. So if now fewer you know fewer folks are able to buy a home because prices are so high and and all that stuff, then then maybe this is a possibility of of opening up on their end um, a broader market. Mm -hmm. um, earlier on, you mentioned guard, uh, garden suites and laneway houses. Now, mm -hmm. I know uh, from what I've seen, you know, building a laneway house, which is usually a conversion of a garage. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've had Marty from, um, uh, I think, what, I forget the name of his company, Late Laneway Housing Consultant. Uh, we've had mm -hmm. him on. Laneway, yeah. You may have uh, spoken to Marty about this. But um, those are very expensive, I found. So, um, you know, getting the financing for that is huge. Yeah. 
Um, so I think the best way to go about this is the actual existing structure, uh, you know, the existing home to, to, to divide that, to divide that house into two suites or even three suites. Now you're allowed to do it as long as you don't increase the actual footprint of the house. You're allowed to do that. That's what under the new legislation, correct? That's right. So this is exactly why, you know, we, we were kind of, we're, we're interested in this scale. So we're interested in garden suites as well. Um, mm -hmm. But generally, we're interested in, you know, we were looking at the scale of housing, you know, multiplexes, garden suites, laneways, and we started thinking about cost. And it's exactly what what you just said. Laneways are mm -hmm. really expensive to build, especially when you're building them ground up. Uh, mm -hmm. Garden suites, too, are really difficult to build. And a lot of it just has to to do with the fact that you're 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 basically running all the infrastructure, all the pipes, all the electricity to a separate home on your property, which is yeah. it costs, you know, that's the major cost. So when you build and you retrofit inside of a home that already has all those services, you're saving a lot of cash. Um, or at least mm -hmm. that's that was our perspective. So I think for folks that are and and we really wanted to focus on um not obviously it's not the low end of the housing market, but it's a kind of middle range people that are currently priced out. So we went with the assumption that people are going to look for the most affordable way to create these additional units. Um, mm -hmm. So that's why maybe there's a focus on renovating for multiplexes. Yeah, this is, I think this is pretty exciting. You know, um, there's been a lot of nimbyism in our city and, yeah. you know, I find that no matter how liberal people are, when it comes to the homes in their neighborhood, they're like, ah, uh, I don't know about that one. Did you see that person up the street? They're building a they're building a basement apartment and they're putting in a whole new entrance, you know, like, yeah. oh my God, I didn't think you were like that. I know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this, yeah. I think it's really exciting in that respect. And, you know, just to give people a chance to get into the market, I know we hear this all the time, like we're never going to be able to afford in Toronto, never going to be able to afford in Toronto. Mm -hmm. and I've heard this for, you know, since I started in real estate back in the mid 80s. You know, when my average price that I was selling was about $100,000. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it works, though. You know, and, and I, I know that um, I just take a look at my, my wife, Alice, who I know I, I always joke that uh, my, 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 my children are going to say, you know, my dad was in real estate, but my mom was the one who took all the risks. And, you know, I just go along for the ride, basically, with Alice. And, yeah. you know, when I first met her, she had a little um, semi-detached home in the Pape and Danforth area. And mm -hmm. she, um, it was her first home, and she lived on the second floor and mm -hmm. rented out the main floor. And um, I was going through a little bit of a transition at that time of real estate. I was getting out of real estate and wanting to get into journalism. Mm -hmm. Met Alice. And... Um, we got married and I moved in with her into that little, that little house. Mm -hmm. We had, it was a one bedroom in the upper. And when our first son, Otis was born, his, um, his bassinet was in the hallway. <laughs> and we, like I said, we, we, we continued to rent out the main floor. All right. Yeah. That was our way in. You make it work, right? You know, like if you, if you, you know, if you have to, in order to, to build up equity, um, okay, so you make do your bassinets in the hallway for a year or two until you're mm -hmm. able to kind of, you know, um, you know, move on and get, earn some earn some equity and do something else. So I, I think that's exactly right. You you do what you can. I think um, exactly. And even our second yeah. house, we moved into our second house uh, down in Riverdale, and we lived in the second and third floor this time. So we had two bedrooms, mm -hmm. and it still still rented out uh, a main floor unit. 
And then the second boy was on the way, and that's when we decided that it was time to, you know, <laughs> uh, to move, right? Yeah, it was. But yeah, yeah. but like I said, we had we built our equity, like you said, we built our equity, and we moved into the single family home that we're in right now in the beaches. So I th- this is sometimes it's a really hard to sell this to first time buyers. You know, it really is because they, you know, not to disparage all of them, but they want it all sometimes. Yeah, at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, and and let's be honest, it's not easy. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that like there you talk to the folks that are in the the kind of um, co-ownership advising business and it's obviously not a huge um, business out there, but there's a couple of folks that do this and and um, and we've I've, I've learned like it. There's a lot of challenges. They they have a huge work. Sorry, let me take a step back. A group we work with um, called GoCo. So go collective ownership Mm -hmm. um they they basically uh they're also real estate agents and they help people um you know get into the market they help they kind of they got they um, provide them guidance they have this workbook and it's a big workbook and page by page it's like this is what you got to think about you know there's going to be noise are you able to deal with this you know what happens when someone Mm -hmm. moves wants to move out what happens if god forbid someone dies you know all of these scenarios you have to think about because there's a lot it's not somebody loses their job and can't pay the can't pay their rent yeah you know so it's um i'm i'm really i think um, the more mainstream something like this becomes, the easier it gets, but it's not easy now. So it takes people that are, you know, can, uh, you know, like you're saying, um, uh, live without all the whistles and bells, at least in the very beginning and, yes. and then kind of, um, you know, move their way forward in time. It's a great way to get in. It really is. So yeah. Michael, just to quickly recap now, somebody wants to do this. What's the best process for them what what, what's the first thing they should do and even if they have to get in touch with you or some of the other consultants that you know yeah please share that with us now yeah uh so um uh, you know at at the end of the day like you you just you always have to start with your finances Mm -hmm. i mean i i'm an architect so i feel really unhappy saying that because i want people to be able to be inspired by buildings and stuff but you know, so you you look at your finances and you see what's possible. And it's, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. You spend enough time on a real estate website, look at enough mortgage calculators on the real estate website, mm-hmm. figure out what the numbers really are and see, do I have, how much do I have to contribute towards a down payment? And then that gives you a sense of, you know, what other things I'm going to need to do to get the rest of that down payment. Do I need to partner up with someone? Um, Will my parents give me a gift? Maybe I have to partner up with two people. There's actually businesses out there that um, this is private lending, but they'll actually take a stake of ownership in your house um, Mm -hmm. to help cover the mortgage. So there's, uh, sorry, to help cover your down payment. So that's really the first thing is like to see what you need to do in order to get if your goal is to get in the market, figure out financially what you need to do. And then the next step, and that's where I come in and where housing comes in or where I'd like to come in, let me say, which is, you know, what does it look like? You know, how, where can you find homes that you can do this with? And, 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 uh, and what's it going to cost? And that's what we are doing quite a bit now of. So I actually would love to invite folks to reach out out to me. Um, I'm oh, part of our research is to kind of connect with people who were wondering about how to do this. And we, you know, um, we, I don't have the capacity right now, but very soon we will have the capacity to kind of, uh, meet with folks, um, and do what I did, which is, you know, if, if you're an architect, you can look at a real estate listing and I can tell you in like five minutes, whether it's going to be, you know, a good multiplex. Uh-huh, okay. Maybe yeah. I'm being a little bit arrogant there, but no, pretty I soon. I think you could, I think you could for sure. <laughs> 
but yeah. that's and so that's for that's really the process one is financing after you know what you need to do that tells you how many people you're going to maybe need to co-own with mm -hmm. and then two start to get inspired by the the possible project you know and that's uh, like i said i'd love to encourage folks to reach out to me great it sounds like it could be very exciting for people definitely yeah okay and to reach out to you what's the best way i know you have the rehousing rehousing.ca yeah rehousing.ca is the website so re housing <laughs> and um yeah there's an email info at rehousing uh, it's just a gmail but you know um send us a message and we'll be in touch um so yeah, yeah you will you got back to me pretty quickly yeah and we've had <laughs> after you know we've had a few folks that uh um you know we had a gentleman who actually a couple that owns a house looking to retire they reached out to us after the cbc interview mm -hmm. uh, we went to a meeting and we had a whole uh let's say um a community group um with a bunch of folks um looking to you know they're retiring looking to do something so we're going to meet with them too um anyhow it's just to say i'm really happy to to meet folks who are interested in having the conversation oh that's wonderful michael michael thank you so much for joining us on soul in the six and like I said, this is a very, very exciting project that you're involved in and what you offer people out there. And there's a lot of hope for people. There really is. Uh, I like to I like to think there is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there definitely is. We need more people like you. And that's Michael Piper of the University of Toronto. And he is um, involved with the Rehousing Research Project. It's great to meet you, Desmond. That's our latest episode of Sold in the Six. And as Michael says, there is some hope for you out there if you really want to get into this real estate market. You just have to sacrifice a little bit. And that may take sharing the property with somebody else for a little while until things get better for you financially. And then you can move into that single family home all by yourself. I want to thank my producer, Doug Downs, of Stories and Strategies for producing this podcast. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating. And also feel free to forward it on to a friend. If you need to get in touch with me, you can email me at des at desmondbrown.ca and follow me on all of the social media platforms. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and my handle is Des in the Six and it's the six number six IX. Until next time, I'm Desmond Brown. <laughs>